you the book of Numbers. This is the Pentateuch written by Moses. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Father, bless this holy book. Give us wisdom, discernment, and understanding in the scripture. In thy name I pray, amen. You can be seated. And so now I'm going to try to talk to you about the character of God. Let me tell you why that's important. You're going to find times in your life when you question uh, why something happened to you, and you may even question God. And if you have a wrong concept or understanding of the Lord, you'll never have a right walk. You'll never walk right. You'll never have real fellowship with the Lord. The only way to have fellowship with God is to know his character and know who he is. If you'll look over here in the book of, uh, of uh, Luke with me, Matthew rather, make it Matthew chapter number 4 and verse 7. Matthew 4, 7. Luke also records it, but we're going to read Matthew's record of it. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter number 4 and verse 7. The Lord Jesus Christ spent 40 days fasting and praying. And if you look at verse number 5 to get the context, the devil taketh him up into an holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, now, whatever God writes is true. There's a question about it. God's word is true from cover to cover. Our responsibility is to rightly discern it and divide it. The scripture has divisions. Is to apply it, to understand. Now, here's what the Lord says to Satan when he says, cast, cast yourself down. He tempted him. And if you look at verse number uh, 6, he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God... Cast thyself down, now he quotes the scripture, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Have you ever known someone to claim a scripture, and in claiming that scripture, you never did see it fulfilled in their life, or have you personally claimed a scripture? And you did not see it fulfilled, or at least why in the way you thought it would be? Look at Psalm 91, the 91st Psalm. Psalm 91 and verse 11. Psalm 91, verse 11. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. This is what Satan quoted. This is about 3,000 years old. The time Satan quoted it had been around about 1,000 years. A lot of these songs written by David, David's 1,000 B.C. To get the chronology of the time. Satan quotes the word of God. 
There can be nothing more powerful than quoting the scripture. Can there? Nothing's more powerful than quoting the word of God. God's word is true and God's word is powerful. God's word speaks. There's creative power in God's word. There's healing in God's word. Soothing of the soul in God's word. And salvation in God's word. Now, is it true that God will bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone? Look at the 11th, uh, look at verse number 1 of Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And does God do that? He certainly does. So let's look at how the Lord Jesus Christ approached God's word. I want you to go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 6 and verse number 16. This is the word of God too. Deuteronomy six sixteen. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse 16, we read these words. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massah. Massah and Meribah means strife and contention. And that's where they contended with God. Strife and contention. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God. The Lord Jesus quoted that scripture. He quoted that scripture to Satan who quoted the scripture about God bearing you up and protecting you. Well, so what's going on here? Is this a conflict? No, there's no conflicts in the Bible. <clears throat> no conflict. The conflict's always in the human mind. So what's going on? This is something that reaches deep down into the heart and into the soul of what's happening to an individual. The Lord Jesus knew that God would bear him up. The fact of the matter is he did bear him up on more than one occasion during his lifetime on this earth. He certainly did. One time he walked out of the midst of a crowd that were going to throw him over a cliff. He just walked out of their midst. They didn't touch him. You see, God bore him up when he walked on that water, didn't he? Well, certainly. The Lord bore him up. You see, the application of this scripture was not to test God, to try him, and this is what Satan wanted him to do. He wanted the Lord Jesus Christ to put God to the test in such a fashion that if God did not pass that test, then the Lord had failed. You remember what Satan said to Eve? He said, God doth know. Well, this again brings the character of God into view. The issue tonight has always been the character of God. Can God lie? No. Will God? No. No, he cannot. It's impossible for God to lie. He cannot lie. So if you've made a promise to God and you fail to keep it, then that's human. But if God makes a promise to you and you know the application of it and where and when and how... That's God, and that's divine, and he can do exactly what he says he's going to do. If you're going to walk with the Lord, if you're going to live for God, you're going to have to do it by faith. Time and time again in the Bible, God is tested. 
and tried by man. God is God time and time again tries man. The Bible says he proves him. He proves him. And by proving man, he doesn't prove man so God will know what's in the man. He proves the man so the man will know what's in the man. That's what we are tonight. We are limited creatures of dust. Now I want you to go with me back to the book of, uh, a book of Numbers, chapter 14. And I want you to look at something in here to help us understand what we're doing. This is the issue of faith versus presumption. When God tells you to do something, which is a good thing, you don't do it, but then later you decide to do it, still a good thing, and yet you bring a curse down on you. This is what happens here. What happens? It's out of time now. It's not in sync. It's not when God wanted it to happen. God's no longer in it. When they found out the consequences of their unbelief and the rebellion against the Lord, they didn't like that. So they were willing to go into the land because a plague had come into their midst. My goodness, they couldn't handle that. And so they had accused God and said, Have you brought us into the wilderness so we could die? Is that what we're here for? That's a direct assault on the purpose of God. That's an assault on his character. You remember what God, when, you remember what Abraham said to the Lord when he was standing outside Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham said, Shall not the judge of the whole earth do right? We may not understand the right of it. We may not be able to ever see it in this lifetime, the right of it. But the God of the whole earth will do right. I firmly believe that. There's a lot of things I don't understand. A lot of things. I mean, I could get into that with you tonight for some time. Because I think on these things all the time. But I'm firmly convinced of this. The God of the whole earth will do right. He'll do right. And he'll do right in your life and my life. He'll do right in the life of everyone. He's no respecter of persons. He's a holy, righteous God. Look at chapter number 13 of, of uh, Numbers, verse 33. The Bible said in Numbers 13, 33, And there, the, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So the circumstances were overwhelming. They couldn't handle what they were dealing with, what they saw. Their eyes led them to unbelief. But you'd think of this for a moment. When God gave Moses the law, he told him to carve out some stone the second time because the first ones were broken. So he carved out stone and he took it to the top of that mountain. And there God wrote the Ten Commandments. But he wrote it in stone. Stone cannot respond. Stone cannot speak. Stone cannot believe. So the Lord said to the children of Israel through Jeremiah the prophet, he said, the day is going to come when I write my law, not in stone, that cannot respond and cannot speak and cannot understand. I'm going to write it in your heart. That means that there's a whole lot more to man than what's written on the outside and what he can abide by and what he understands and what he follows by what he sees. There's a whole lot more to you. And this is what we're dealing with here in the book of Numbers, chapter number 14. If you'll notice here in Numbers chapter 14, and verses, uh, chapter number uh, uh, 14, verses 11 through 19. Let's read these very carefully tonight. Numbers 14, verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, How long will this people provoke me? That word provoke right there literally means despise. God had had it. He was up to here with them. That's what that word means. The Hebrew word means despise. Ten times they had tested God and rebelled against him. So here we read, 
How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. I will smite them with a pestilence, disinherit them, will make of thee a greater nation, and men and mightier than thee. My, what a thing. Did you hear this? Did you read that? God said, Moses, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish with them, and I'm going to make a nation of you. Well, most people would have said, hallelujah, glory to God. Name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. I got it now. No, buddy. You know why? God had an intercessor. God had somebody that cared more for somebody else than they did themselves. Okay, he deals with him. He said in verse number 13, Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest us up this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. That's right. In other words, Lord, wait a minute here. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? You're with us. You've guided us. You've spoken to us. You gave us the law, and you showed me something on top of that mountain. And he's about to tell him about it. Look at verse number 15. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware to them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. See that? That's what the, that's what the unbeliever says. Every time you see something happen in the church that's bad, and there's been a couple of preachers that have fallen in the last few weeks, and I'm not up here to, tonight to run anybody down or even tell you who they were, and none of them local, but they've fallen. And uh, some, of the, some of it was pretty bad. Well, you know what happened when the prophet came to David and said, Thou hast given the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. You remember? The enemies of God. Well, there's some of them out there that will never believe, but they're looking for a reason not to believe. They're trying to find something to hide behind. They're trying to find something to justify themselves. In plain words, what they're saying to you is, I don't care. I know you're religious. You go to church on Sunday. You read your Bible. You pray and this and that. But you're not any different from me. You're not any different from me. I mean, what, what, what purpose, what, what do you gain by serving the Lord? Well, if you know the Lord tonight, you know what you do gain. You gain a lot by serving the Lord. Well, let's look at the text. He said, verse 17, And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying. Now watch this. This is one of the most remarkable things in the Bible. Watch what you're about to read. You have spoken, Lord, and here's what you said. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. And by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. That's what God said to him on top of that mountain. He's reminding the Lord what he said to him. Now, when you speak face to face with somebody, there's no, there's no nuances. Okay? A nuance is where you say something, but you don't really come to the point with it and you kind of imply it. 
Here you have face-to-face communication. And Moses is saying, now, Lord, you remember what you told me on top of that mountain? Well, over there in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 34, that's the first time in the whole Bible that the character of God is laid out in Scripture form. His character, who he is, what he thinks, how he relates to people. Is he a just God? These six things that the Lord hates, yeah, seven abomination to him. He tells you what he hates. Then he said, let not the mind, the wise man, glory in his wisdom. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. And let not the mighty man glory in his might. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Hallelujah to God. And I'm going to tell you something. I've just been here 74 years and I'm still learning something about him. And the more I learn about him, the more I love him. Hallelujah to God. Moses said, now Lord, remember what you told me? Now you think the Lord didn't know Moses was going to say that? Of course he did. Look what happens. He said in verse number 19, Pardon, I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have what? To what? I know, but what is this? According to thy word. See? What does that mean? That means Moses interceded and God heard him. Now when Moses dealt with this, he didn't deal with just one side of the character of God. He dealt with both sides. Mercy, justice. Mercy, holiness. God, and here's the problem with men. They, they love the mercy and the graciousness and, and the gift and the giving and the, and the glory and all that. And that's all fine. But there's another side to God. See, he's a balanced being. Over there in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, it says, It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. <laughs> yes, it is. But the Bible also says, If God be for you, who can be against you? So don't listen to some preacher if all he ever says is God before you, who can be against you? That's good, but let him give you the other side too. That's the problem. You build up this concept and image of God, which is not scriptural. Moses gave back to God the balanced being that he is. And he is. He's a balanced being. Now how accountable am I? How accountable are you? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Son of man thou visiteth him. Made him a little lower than the angels. Crowned him with glory and honor and all of that. Hebrews 2. What are we? One day we'll be exalted above the angels to the point we judge them. That includes Michael. We'll judge angels. Why? As I've said before a thousand times, no angel is what's ever created in the image of God, but you are. That means that you'll have a closeness to God that nothing else can have. And that's something A closeness to God. This is why the prohibition of murder starts in Genesis and runs through Revelation. When you kill a man, you're killing a man that's made in the image of God. God didn't have anything to do with murderers. And he said in the book of Revelation, the last part, he said, Without the gate, without the wall, murderers. He that killeth mankind. Murderer. And we live in a country full of murderers. They're everywhere. Human life is cheap in this country. You know why it's cheap? Because in school, from day one, they're brainwashed into thinking that a man is nothing more than a glorified ape. They do. They don't give you a reason for a living. They have no point in life. Know where it came from. Know where to go. Nihilism is what we call it, as I've said to you before. What's nihilism? You live, 
out your life, you die, they bury you, you're forgotten, and that's it. And most of these people marching in the streets right now are nihilist. When they hold up a sign cursing Jesus Christ, isn't it amazing how they come against him? What do you ever do to them except die for them? Shows you their spirit where they came from. And the Lord said, I've pardoned according to thy word. Man, what a thing. <laughs> In verse number 21, but as truly as I live, all the earth should be filled with the glory of the Lord because all these those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt, in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times. God's long-suffering, isn't he? See how long he suffered with them? And not hearken to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it, but my servant Caleb. Because he had another spirit. See, the spirit has to do whether you believe or not. You can't have a wrong spirit and believe. That's a problem. Well, what spirit do I need? Holy Ghost. <laughs> problem is, most people have an unholy ghost. You need the Holy Spirit. So my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. And Caleb asked for a mountain. God gave him a mountain in Hebron. So God blessed him. God's faithful. He's always faithful. He always has been, always will be. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's, when he says something, he's going to do it. But here's the thing. You've got a Bible here now. This is a, this is a remarkable book. 66 books. I don't know how many words are in this thing. But it's a beautiful book. It, you know, just pick up the Bible, the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is history. New is too, Book of Acts and the Gospels. But the Old Testament is a narrative, a running history of these people. And just read it. And you'll find out that it doesn't cover up for anybody. It just tells it the way it is. Yeah. There's no superheroes in here. You know, these are real people living in a real world and living their lives. But it also shows the intervention of God. It shows his intervention. It shows his hand on it. The hand of the Lord. <laughs> I wouldn't be here tonight if God's hand hadn't touched me. I, I sit around sometimes and I think, I do, I think, Lord have mercy. I used to be that. What in the world changed me? It was that day he laid his hand on me. And he brought something into my life that was not there. Never had it before. And that's called conviction. I don't preach it anymore. But God convicted me. And I thank him a thousand times. I bless him forever. I glorify his name tonight because God's been good to me. And I get mad and throw my rattler out on the floor and kick slats out of my crib. <laughs> refuse my formula. Just much as the next man. But then I come back. I know who I'm. <laughs> I know who saved me. Amen. If you know that, folks, you've got to hold something. So when you pick up the Bible, that's what I hope this message, you know, this lesson's all about tonight. Every word in that Bible is true. That's God's word. And God cannot lie. 
we are forced to discern it. See? We've got to discern it. We've got to know the application of it. All scripture is written for us. You've heard a thousand times. But it's not, all it's not all written directly to us. All scripture is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. That's the word of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, did not come by the will of men. The Holy Spirit of God, Theos Neustos, God breathed into them the word of God, the inspire, inspiration. They were inspired. Never forget the time that nurse looked at me over at UT Hospital. I was sitting there with my grandfather, the one I love and the one that loved me. I was with him the very moment he passed away. I was there. And that nurse said something I'd never heard before, never heard it that way. Nurse said, he has expired. That's a euphemism. In other words, he died. But I like expired better, don't you? But you know what that means? That means he's breathed out. Expired. He's left here. <laughs> yeah, that's good. From UT Hospital, he expired. And the holy men of God were inspired. The holy Spirit came into them. And they moved, and they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. No, no man did this by his own will. None of these prophets just decided, well, I'm going to be a prophet, you know. No. God moved upon them. And here's the way he did it. When the king was reprobate, and when the teachers was reprobate, and the priesthood was reprobate, everybody was reprobate, and the people were reprobate, and they were all turning against God, he put his finger on a prophet. And the prophet stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord. And you judge the prophet in the Old Testament by if what he says comes true. If what he says does not come true, I did not send him. So, he, so he's bound. He said, he's put his life because you don't suffer one to live. If he says it's going to happen, it'll happen. Bless your word, Lord. Thank you for the time we've had in your house. One more time, you stood with me. I felt you tonight. Glory to God. I know you, Lord. I know you. <laughs> I know you in my soul, I know you. And I'm thankful for that, because I don't deserve it. I can't earn it, but you've been good to me. Maybe I said something tonight, Lord, that'll help somebody, get to kind of help them sort some things out and kind of give them a, an idea of how to go about uh, praying and seeking your face and, and understanding the Scripture and taking a hold of the Bible and believing the Bible and then watching the application of it in their life for whatever the circumstances might be. I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray for them, Lord. I pray for every soul in this house and for every soul that's watching and for every soul that will watch this later. I pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen.